mention a few things before we look at the word together today. Um, Wednesday nights are going to continue on as they have been right now in that everything will be online. And you guys got a mailing about this, but I just wanted to explain it. It'll all be online um, for, the, for the very near until we, the, the health department allows us to move through the next phases. And so um, three things online every week as it has been. Um, 6.30 every Wednesday, Facebook Live, Suzanne and I do a Soul Care Minute, 30 minutes. A lot of you have been participating in that. Um, every Wednesday night, 6.30 on Zoom, um, Pastor Harold does youth group, or Pastor Mitch does youth group. And, um, and then every Wednesday at 6.30, there's a little change for our kids. That will be with Harold at 6.30 um, on Wednesday nights. We, we've done it on Sunday morning. That's going to switch to Wednesday night so that all of us will be, back, will be on 6.30 together um, live, different formats. So talk to all the people involved. And if you haven't been getting hooked up, you can get you or your kids hooked up on that. Um, looking ahead, on the 21st, which is only a few weeks away, um, we are having Teen Challenge in. You say, well, how can you do that with our, with, our, um, with our restrictions on attendance? What we're doing, they were supposed to be here three weeks ago and as part of our missions month. And so we said, how about if we do this? What if once we're back together, we bring Teen Challenge in, but instead of bringing the whole group of people and doing all the singing and stuff, we'll do the worship like we always do. We'll still do worship. But then we'll have, they'll bring four or five of their people who will tell their testimonies on how the Lord's transformed their lives through Teen Challenge. So that's coming up on the 21st. Teen Challenge is always, what they were so happy. They're like, we haven't been able to go anywhere. And so um, we're, we're saying, well, we want you to come and, and we can we can make it work with numbers. They so just have to bring a smaller group. So they'll be on June 21st. Teen Challenge will be here, so you don't want to miss that. And then one final thing to tell you is um, if you would be willing to join our welcome team, those are the wonderful people who greeted you, who handed you communion cups. Um, we, because of the COVID situation, a number of people who do that are generally some of our older people and they've chosen for this time to say, we're just not comfortable coming to gatherings right now. And we completely get it. And um, so they're watching, you're watching online right now. And so we need some more people. And if you'd be willing to do that, um, talk to Steve Hoffman. He's here both services. Um, and you can see him through his mask. Um, but you guys all know who Steve is. Um, talk to Steve if you're willing to do it. We really need some help um, in that area. Um, just because of having to adjust to this and do two services. And so, um, I was going to say, you can see your smiling face for a little while. They won't even see your smiling face. They'll just see, they'll just see your, a mask. So you could draw a face on there, a mouth on there if you want. And so, um, please, some people talk to Steve Hoffman about that because we really need some, some help with that area, in that area just to keep people greeted, greeting, welcoming you, welcoming new people, and also... Um, um, like having to keep sure the doors are open and all that stuff for, for kind of protocols um, for cleanliness. So we need some help on that. All right? Well, hey, I want us to think about something this morning as we, as we look into the, the Word of God together and, and spend some time um, doing what we've been doing remotely. Somebody said to me this morning, I said, well, it's good to see you. And they said, well, I see you every week. I said, but the camera's one way. And so this is kind of nice for us You've been still seeing us, but we've not been seeing you. And so I, wanted, I want us to think about something this morning. What did we most miss during the Safer at Home order? Three months. What did you most miss? 
Well, somebody asked me that a while back, and the first thing that came to my mind was not really the most important, but I said, I miss going out to eat, you know? And I, what I found is, here's what I found out. It wasn't about the quality of the food. Suzanne's a good cook. So we still did takeout every week to support local businesses. It, was, it wasn't very good, you know? Uh, like, we'd get something, be cold by the time you got it home. And so we found out there was a couple things you could eat that were good for takeout. Roasted chicken worked. Pizza worked. Sushi worked. We're trying to think what other things we ate that we said, these are, these are all right takeout foods. Chinese worked um, for, for takeout. And I said, so I missed going out to eat. What I found is I missed sitting with Suzanne in the restaurant. We found that it wasn't the food at all. Because we're like, oh, this food, this wasn't about going and getting food. It was about sitting with Suzanne in a restaurant and just spending time together with her. And so what did I really miss and what did you really miss the most during the Safe Bread Home time? I think it's this. It's community. We missed being together. People wanted to be together. Grandparents wanted to see grandkids. The Hoffmans had a grandbaby and couldn't see their grandbaby. You know, as you saw through glass. And, and some people were going to nursing homes to see grandparents or relatives and looking through windows. You know, we actually had Easter. Uh, Pastor Harold actually went and dressed up in an Easter bunny costume and went to the nursing homes to, to say hi to people as well as to our kids because people wanted to see people. You know, um, co-workers missed each other. Now a whole bunch of people are working at home. And at first they thought, well, this is wonderful. Until they're like, I'm going crazy. You know, sitting here in my room all by myself doing my work. People miss people. Graduating classes couldn't graduate together. They still graduated. You know, I graduated during this time. You know, I didn't get a diploma yet. I sure hope I get one. But I I graduated, but I'm like, really? Two years of work and I don't get to go with the people that I've only known online. I've never met them in person. I've been online with them for two years and now I can't spend time with them. What I missed and what you missed, if we value it, I think, the most during this shutdown time is we miss community. Um, isn't that what we most missed about not being able to come to church? You know, you guys still were able in some form to, to do church. And we don't do church. We are the church. But do church. Our worship team, and the reason different churches had different strategies, our strategy was to try to make church online look as close to normal church as normal because everything else in your life was changing and we wanted church to look the same. So we did it on the platform the same way some places, you know, they went and sat in chairs and did it. I don't fault anybody for doing it different. Our strategy was we wanted to give some normalcy to you. So you had church. Our same worship team was here. Um, you know, they, they led worship and I preached sermons and we, we did everything the same time. But, but what did we miss? We missed doing church online just wasn't the same. And you guys showed up at 8 o'clock this morning, and some of you showed up at 6.30 this morning, a whole bunch of you worship team people and stuff, because you said it wasn't the same. Yes, we, we still heard a sermon and sang songs, and it was the best we could do at the time. And some of you are at home right now doing that right now, and we get it. You're either traveling or you're saying, hey, you know what, I got health issues or whatever, and, and I'm not going to come in a gathering yet. We get that. It's, it's the best you can do, but I'll say it's the best you can do, but it's not the best. This is the best, the gathering of Jesus' followers celebrating and worshiping together and loving each other. And even though I had to go to John Love, the ultimate hugger, and do an air hug to John, you know, it was still we're together. 
You know, and I think the thing, the thing I hope that we take away from this season of life that I hope is over, I'm, I'm hoping, here's the deal, man, we're all back together in some form, and we're going to see what happens in three weeks. You know, we're hoping things continue to trend in the right direction. And the time that we, and so I said to somebody this morning, hopefully this COVID-19 is just, just a, a mean joke in our rearview mirror in the not-too-distant future. But uh, the takeaway, I hope, from this season of life, and I'm not trying to say COVID was a joke. I'm just saying that it's just a bad chapter of life. Um, that the takeaway we have is the value of community, and for us especially, the value of Christian community. Now, I want to begin this first sermon back together um, as, as we begin this. The first thing I want us to do in this sermon, as part of the sermon, is to take communion together. Normally we have it before, we have it after, but when you came in, you were all given communion cups. And now we've all translated or trans- transitioned into communion now being in little tiny cups. Um, at least we have here. You guys have been doing it at home. Oh, I shouldn't even say it. So, somebody, a relative of mine, who might be watching today, maybe I've said this out loud, celebrated communion one week with coffee and bacon. And I said, um, if you were saying the opposite of unleavened bread would be bacon. I said, you literally would make some Jewish people die by doing that. But we're transitioning to these little wafers and cups. And as part of our of a sermon today, the preaching, is we are going to take communion together because communion reminds us of community. That's why it's called that, communion, union. It's us coming together. Communion celebrates, it celebrates us being united in a way that nothing else can unite us. I've been reading every single week. We've had communion every week online on purpose to say, let's keep ourselves joined together by the one thing that, that joins us together like, like unlike anything else. And I'm going to read what the Apostle Paul writes about communion. He says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. So it was been a big piece of bread. It was all together, and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the piece of bread this morning. Jesus took a piece of bread, and I know ours, especially because of COVID, we couldn't take a common piece of bread and break it up, and this is completely sanitary and safe. And he took a piece of bread, and he broke pieces off. Each person broke it and took a piece. They had one whole, and what they recognized is that they they were all part of one. They were all part of one. That's the symbolism. One of the, one of the elements of symbolism of communion is that we understand the unity of each other. And Jesus was representing that by taking the one piece of bread and breaking it. It all starts together. And here's, here's the, the, the joy that we get to experience today. We are a bunch of really dissimilar people. We have different likes, different interests. Most of us probably would not know each other and would not be friends outside the church because we wouldn't even, we wouldn't, our, our lives wouldn't intersect. But because of Jesus, 
when we look at each other, I look at John, I say, hey, brother. And I mean that. Hey, sister. I mean that. We're family. We're united. And what unites us? Jesus. We've come to see that we need a Savior. We've come to understand that, that Jesus, the, the, the co-creator of the world, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, created everything, created man, and created us. God as Trinity is unity. And he invites us into that fellowship. Hold that piece of bread. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have brought us together as one. And that we are one in you. We are not divided. That we are family in Christ. Let's celebrate our unity by partaking of the bread together. The Apostle Paul went on to write this. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We have the, the cup. They would have had a cup of wine. We have grape juice. And we know this. Throughout Scripture, there's talks about the, 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 the power of life in the blood. That's why when they did sacrifices, they, they drained the life blood out of the, out of the sacrifice. They're saying there's power. And there's power in our unity. We're going to talk about that more. There's power, world-changing power in our unity. And Jesus wanted us every time, when we, when, when we get together, he wants us to remember the strength and the power of God in our unity, in our community. And we celebrate it in communion. And so as you're sitting here today, whatever needs you have in your life, Whatever things that when Suzanne said, what do you need from the Lord, name it. He's promised us his strength and his power. So hold that cup. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've united us in your blood. We are one, one church, one faith, one hope, one baptism. We are united. And this morning we celebrate that unity, and we look to your power. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the juice together. Communion. There's not a better way I could preach about what we are about, what the church is all about, than by us taking communion together. Now, I want us to remember something today. That when Jesus, it's on the lines of communion, when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father he had, and entrusted his mission to his people, he didn't leave them an instruction manual. He didn't. He didn't leave them this book. The Old Testament had been written and none of new had been written. He didn't leave them an instruction manual. You know what he left them? A community. He left them in community. Jesus' plan has been from the start to change the world through Christian community. It started with 12 people and has spread to billions 
all by community. And that's what I want us to talk about today. This community. This Portview Family Church community. And you were supposed to get these three months ago. But these little window stickers for your car that go on your the little decal goes in the back window of your car. You've seen them in, in a couple of our cars because we put them on already. I love Portview Church. That's what I want to talk about. As a matter of fact, they're available for you in the, at the Connection Center this morning. But, but that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about our church, our community. And, and actually, I, I began talking about this on the very first week of the Safer at Home order. Do you remember that? We had just, we were planning three weeks on talking about I love my church, and all of a sudden we couldn't meet, and we sat and we met, and we said, can I still talk about it? And I said, of course we can, because it's still true. So we did the first two weeks of the Safer at Home order. We talked about the fact that we love our church. We talked about the power and the reality and what comes out of the Christian community. But I said this to you that second week. I said, I'm going to save the third message for the first time that we get together. And so before we look at what I want to look at today, I want, to, I want to see something. I want to see how good our memories are and see if we can remember what the first two messages about I love my church were about. I'm going to help you. You're going to use some visual aids and some audio aids, and you're going to help you to see if you can remember. So, Stephanie, play this first short little clip. See if you remember this. You remember that from this first sermon, the first week? Um, one is the loneliest number, Three Dog Night, um, talking about community and what were we trying to get at? That one is no fun. That just being alone is lonely and it's no fun. And that as the main message was, as image bearers of God, we most reflect his goodness and his glory when we are living in healthy, loving, joyous community. That God is relationship, God is trinity, and we are designed to thrive in relationship. So we talked about that, the, the blessing of Christian community was week one. How about week two? Let's watch this little short clip for about 30 seconds and see if you can remember what week two was about. Just spit on the showman from the butterfly circus. <laughs> Remember that? The butterfly circus? That's a powerful short little, little movie we watched. What was it about? It was the power of the transforming power of loving community. That that the, the limbless man found his his place in the world. He found fulfillment. He found joy. He found he found he found his the his his life literally in loving Christian community. And we have so many examples of that in this church. So, so many people that I could the name, and I actually was going to just to name somebody, I thought, I, where would I stop? On how people's lives have been transformed by Jesus through loving community. So, so that was the, the second was the power 
of Christian community. Now today, what else do we need to think about relating to Christian community? We did, we did the joy of it, we did the power of it in week three, and it maybe is, it's just as important, maybe it's the most important, or they're all equally important, but this one is the mission part of it, and it's this. Christian community can change the world. And I think I could say this. Christian community can save the world. Who thinks our world needs some saving? Right? Yeah. By saving, of course I mean people need to be saved from the slavery of sin and death that comes um, from the bondage that Jesus breaks when they come to know Him as Savior and Lord. So saving in that regard for sure. But, but I also mean that the world needs to be saved from the terrible condition that it is in. And man, you can't hardly watch the news anymore. Because if you look at the condition of the world, it is a place of violence and abuse and racism and greed and selfishness and hate, that mankind is a mess. And I think this, oftentimes we think that this is the worst it's ever been. We say the, the, the world is the worst it's ever been, but I would say this, that's probably not the case. At one time, the world was so messed up, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, that God said, I'm going to wipe it out and start over again. He chose Noah and his family and, and recreated man. He says, because of, because of the violence and the sin of the world. It's not maybe as bad as it's ever been, but it's, it's bad. The sexual immorality of the Roman Empire was so bad it would make an American blush. And that's hard to imagine because our nation is, is off the rails in that regard. Human history is filled with endless examples of slavery and oppression and war and destruction. Sin has always been rampant. So I think about that today, a day when we talk about the the power of Christian community. And it's this, one word, Patrick. Patrick. And you go, Patrick? What do you mean? Saint Patrick. Do you know who St. Patrick is? Well, we celebrate St. Patty's Day, but do you know who St. Patrick was and the significance of his life? Patrick was born in Britain in the 5th century, and he was captured by Irish pirates and then taken to Ireland to be a slave. He was a slave there for six years. After six years, he escaped, and he went back to his homeland of Britain where he eventually became a cleric, and as a cleric, in the church, he then said, I want to return to Ireland as a missionary. And he returned to Ireland as a missionary, where he eventually became the bishop of the Christian church there that he established. You say, so what's the point? Why, why, why is this important today? It's this. Because Ireland was about as bad as it could get. In all of human history, it doesn't get much worse than Ireland was at the time. The people there were referred to um, as barbarians. That's what I would say. That's where we get that term, barbarians. That's what they were, barbarians. Think Vikings. Now, Vikings came and conquered a little bit later, but that same kind of lifestyle. This invading, conquering um, people, destroying other people, enslaving other people, violence, hateful, sinful. That's the world. The one that it's... It, captured Patrick. They enslaved him. You know, that's the kind of people they were. And, but, but they didn't stay that way. What brought about the change? What saved, in essence, saved Ireland? Christian community. 
Remember that I said that Patrick was a missionary, eventually came to be a missionary to the very people who had enslaved him, to the Irish? You know how he reached them with the gospel? You think he went and he stood on a street corner and he preached to them, I was a slave and now I'm free and you can find freedom. You think that's what Patrick did? No, he didn't do it at all. You got it, Archie, he didn't do it at all. You know what he did? He established Christian communities. He called them monasteries, but not the kind of monastery that you think and I think of. He established monasteries in Ireland. What he would do is he would find a a barbarian community, usually it'd be like on a river, and he'd establish a Christian monastery on the other side of the river. And his monastery had a very clear intention. The plan for the monastery was to create a Christian community that was open so that then, and welcoming. They'd actually build homes that had available beds in them to welcome outsiders into their community. And they would build this community to express, and people came with them to, ex- to live together in harmony, in Christian unity, so that outsiders would then be welcomed and encouraged to come into their community and experience the reality of Christian community in real everyday life within their monasteries. And guess what? It worked. People experienced the love and the generosity and the honesty and the kindness of Christ through Christian community, and they eventually became followers of Christ, and it changed their nation. It changed their culture. It changed everything about them. They began as people and then as a nation to be transformed as they came to Christ into the image of Christ, and their old ways began to slip away. Why? Because of Christian community. Christian community, Jesus through Christian community, saved them and transformed them. Now, Portview, this is what we can offer to our culture that needs saving. We have something to offer. So oftentimes the church feels like, well, what can we do about it? We have something to offer. We can be an open, loving, generous, transforming community that you and I can bring people into to experience the reality of Jesus through our love and acceptance and goodness and generosity and kindness. See, I think there's a reality in our culture right now that we just have to come to terms with, and it's this. I don't believe our culture gives a flip about the church. I don't think they care in the slightest bit what we say anymore. They couldn't care at all what you say. Well, the Bible says they don't care. We talk and they tune it out. They don't even hear what we have to say. But since the world is a mess, therefore people's lives are a mess, they need something different than they have. And that something different is the church. It's Christian community. It's people loving one another and helping one another and serving one another. It's not a bunch of individualistic Americans doing their own thing and coming together for an hour. That hasn't worked. That won't change the world. American church has got a PhD in that, and that's why the church is in total decline. But we have something different that can change the world. They need what we have, and I would say beyond that, they need who we are. We are the answer. Christian people living in community. So listen to me, friends. There's been an error in much of Christianity for some time now. 
there's been a belief that we need to become like the world to reach the world. So much of what is called Christian is just secular with a cross slapped on it. And you say, well, what do you mean? How do you say? You, has anybody else been shocked by all the very high-profile Christian artists and celebrities who recently are saying, I don't serve Jesus anymore? I don't believe it anymore. And you're shocked. You know why you're shocked by it? Because it's a, it's a type of, 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 of Christianity which is secularism with a cross slapped on it and said, oh, we can make our name for ourselves in whatever, Christian music or in Christian performance, whatever. And they go, but it was never really real in the first place. Why? Because that doesn't work. Christianity, my friends, has always been countercultural. It's always been countercultural, being different than the culture around us to reveal that there is a better way. That's what Christianity has always been. That's what it's been from the very first day it was started. And Portview, let's be countercultural. It's countercultural to be generous when everybody else is greedy. It's countercultural to be forgiving when other people are filled with hate. It's countercultural to be honest when everybody else is lying and cheating. It's countercultural to be sexually pure, to not view porn, to not dress immodestly, to be faithful to your spouse. That's countercultural. It's countercultural to um, embrace the marginalized and to on purpose associate with those outside your socioeconomic group. That's countercultural. The world doesn't do it. It's countercultural to be trustworthy. It's countercultural to be kind. It's countercultural to be filled with the joy of Jesus. And that's what we have available to us, to us. When we openly live out Christian virtues with a group of other Christians, we are then an unstoppable force for change in the lives of the people we interact with. That's why I love my church. Because the church is the avenue of change. It's God's avenue to reach a hurting world. Now, I want to end in a very practical way today. Something that we, all of us can do. What I want to talk about in the next few minutes does not require special giftings. It doesn't require extra money. It just requires an understanding that the culture you're in, the community you're in, can be the most powerful agent of change the world's ever known because it has been already for 2,000 years. There's a professor at Northern Seminary named David Fitch. David Fitch wrote other books, but he wrote a book entitled Faithful Presence. And it's a book about how Christians can live missionally. And in that book, he explains how we can, listen, how we can leverage Christian community to help people experience the reality of Christ. And he explains this by using an illustration of three circles. And I want those three circles illustration to put up here. This is from, from Fitch's book, um, Faithful Presence. And there's three circles here. And the circles are all talking about how community is the key to changing the world for Christ. The first circle is what he calls the close circle. And in the close circle, um, it is you and me doing life together. This is basically like our connect groups. This is us being together in relationship. 
in reality. And what we do in this, we, we, we have fun, we enjoy each other, we, we are, you know, happy together, we pray together. We, what we do is we enjoy each other, but what we also do is we welcome the reality of Christ into our midst. So in our connect group, our connect group's for the first time in three months meeting tonight. And what we will do in addition to eating and having fun and laughing and catching up, we, we spend the most of our time, what we spend is we pray for each other. We pray for every one of our family members, every situation that's going on. We know each other's lives. And so that's the close community. Notice it's called close, not closed. The close community. Then look at the next circle. The next is called the dotted circle. This dotted circle is the exact same group of people from the close circle, but they're doing something differently. The dotted circle has entry points into it for other people to engage in that group. Think St. Patrick's Monasteries. It is us doing life together for the intent, with intentionally bringing other people into our circle for them to experience the reality of Christianity in their very lives. It's intentionally saying we're going to bring people in so they can experience Christ. Now understand something. In the dotted circle, there are certain things you don't do. You don't act the same in the dotted circle as you do in the closed circle. And the church, when they've made that mistake in the past, you know what happens? The people you're invited in say you're a bunch of lunatics. You're weird. They prayed for 45 minutes. Well, some person doesn't know Jesus. You don't invite them in and pray for, for 30 minutes or 15 minutes for that matter. You act differently. Your intention is to just let the love of Jesus, the kindness, the goodness, the generosity of Jesus come through your relationships. And they go and they go, there's something different about you people. That's the, that's the dotted circle. But then he doesn't stop there. The next one is the half circle. And the half circle is where we go as the people from the close circle, we go out into the world to reach people that are normally would not be in our group. That we go out into the world, like when we take a group, we go down to city on a hill, or we go to the gathering. Um, we do different ministry where we're engaging in a group of people that we normally wouldn't engage with. Usually they're a different economic group, a different social group, a different ethnic group. We're doing that to build bridges into other groups of people. Now, a very important thing here, and this is where we usually get this one wrong. That's why I think Fitch's book is so good. He says we go as, in these exact words, but it's the gist of it. We go as guests and servants, not as superior and separate. And so often what we do is we go to some, as superior and separate. It's like I, I had to wrestle with that when I went to Cambodia. You come in and you think, I'm the great white hope. I have the answers for these people until I figured out their Christianity. A lot of them was much better than mine. They had nothing and they were filled with joy in Jesus. And I'm like, I got to learn from them, not them from me. And what you learn is you don't go as a, as a great hope. You, don't, you go as a guest and a servant and you serve them and you let Jesus, and you're trying to build some bridges so that as you build bridges, opportunities might happen where you could then... Maybe bring them into your dotted circle. And someday they become part of your close circle. Friends, this is how, it's, how it works. It's simple. This is how Christian community can and has changed the world. And friends, now that the safer at home order is, is over, 
and you can gather with your connect groups, and you can gather with your Christian friends and family. You can encourage each other. You can pray. You can play. You can eat. You're gonna, you can do what we're going to do today in our group. You, what you do is you're welcoming, you're encouraging the reality of engagement with the presence of God in the close circle. Then at that close circle, you can say, hey, what could we maybe do that we can invite a few other people in? Let's have a picnic. Let's do something. Let's do what we do this time, but let's do it at a different location. Let's do it at this person's house because they've been, been trying to minister to their two neighbors, and let's invite their neighbors in. And let's just have a, let's just have a, a, a good time with them in, in the dotted circle. And then we look for some ways to go outside of our normal world um, to take Jesus into some, to some cross-cultural uh, or situations. Pretty soon again, we're going to do things like the gathering and like City on Hill. Those are going to open back up, and you can do those things again. And here's what I know. All of us can do this. There's not one of us who can't do this. Not one of us says, I'm not smart enough or don't have enough money because it doesn't do with your intelligence. It doesn't do with your income. This has to simply do with intentionality, understanding how God uses community to change the world. Friends, so you know what? Christian community, we said, is, is a blessing. Christian community is powerful for transformation in individual lives, the butterfly circus. But friends, Christian community is God's plan to change the world. It's why I got up this morning and came here, because this is God's plan to change the world. Now, we are going to end by praying a prayer together. It's going to be on the screen. It's going to be two separate slides. We're going to pray the prayer together. And I may have to go over here to see it um, because I can't read that back screen. My eyes aren't that good. Um, We're going to pray the prayer of St. Patrick's breastplate. Historic prayer since the 5th century. It was on his breastplate is what history says. And we're going to pray this prayer out loud together. Ready? Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every person who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Friends, that's the kind of prayer. Imagine if we prayed that every day. If every day we prayed that and we meant it, that everywhere I go, people would see Jesus, that he's all around me. He's with me. He's in me. He's before me. He's behind me. I don't be afraid of anything. You don't need to be afraid of anything. And they could see Jesus in us. That's the, the power of Christian community. Stand with me this morning. I'm just going to pray and close, and I know that's a, a different way to end our services than normal because we can't at this point bring you forward to pray. So I'm just going to pray and close. And then when you feel ready, you can just make your way out of the sanctuary in the next little while and, and wave at some people and head out. Next time, we'll in a little while, we'll be able to hang out a lot longer. Let me just pray. Jesus pray that the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit 
would be so real within us, would be so tangible when we meet together in groups, that we would, that we would learn that the greatest joy of coming together in our close circles is yes to catch up, yes to eat food, yes to have fun, but most importantly, to be open to your abiding presence. That you would change us, you'd heal us. That Lord, as you fill us with your presence, would you then shine through us? Give us, Lord, um, your plan, your ideas, your wisdom for how we could help other people in this incredibly messed up world that's been lied to and says the church isn't the answer. Lord, let us be like St. Patrick and those monasteries where we stand in the midst of what feels like barbaric situations and we just love and we care and we're generous and we're kind. We're totally different than the community around us. And that people see that difference. And it's not to thank us. It's not to celebrate us. It's but for us to point our hands up to the sky and say, it's all because of Jesus. So, Father, we are your church. We are your children. And we offer ourselves to you. Now, just in this quiet moment, we're wrapping up our service. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you've drifted from the Lord. When I talked about what was normal Christianity and how countercultural it is, and you really looked and said, man, I'm really more living like the world than I am like Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you've never asked Christ into your life. Not really. Maybe you've attended church, but you've never really said, I need Jesus to be the center of my life. And I want to give up my old life. I want to live for Him with him, have him be my Lord and him be my Savior. You've never really done that. If you're ready to turn to Jesus today, turn away from the old and turn to Jesus today. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to invite you to do something. I want you to look up and look me right in the eye. I'm going to start over on my left, your right, and I'm just going to look across the sanctuary. Okay? Look me right in the eye. I see that. Anybody else in the center? And off to my right. We're going to pray together this morning. A number of people saying, you know what, I, I need to get back on track or I need to say, say yes to Jesus for the first time. Lord, thank you that when we gather, there's the power of your loving conviction. The power of your loving conviction. It says to us, there's something and as by your spirit today, you are, are speaking to our hearts for everyone, for everyone who said, yes, Pastor Mark, I want to turn, I want to turn and walk with Jesus fresh and anew right now. We pray, God, that you would so minister to each one of those lives that your transformation would happen, would begin, would continue. And that, Lord, we'd look more like you, be more like you, with changed hearts every day from this moment forward. 
So Jesus, thank you. Help us now to walk the rest of this day in an awareness of your presence, surrendering our hearts to you so that you can continue the work of making us into the wonderful, kind, generous, beautiful people you intend for us to be. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Do an air high five to somebody on the way out. Have a great day. Look forward to seeing you again next Sunday at 8 or 10.